Thank you, Monroe. Good morning to everybody. It is great to be here today. Wonderful to be able to sing those beautiful songs of praise to God, to be able to glorify Him and give Him our praise and our worship as we come together as His church here at Sunny Slope. If you're visiting with us today, we're so thankful that you're here and we pray that you will be glorified, or that rather that you will be instructed and edified and encouraged as we study God's Word together. And if you have any questions about anything that you see us do or hear us teach or say, please ask. We keep saying we just want to be the church that we read about in the Bible. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Developing and maintaining a sound congregation. When we think about our lives, we don't generally, now I'm afraid that in our culture right now, as it is developing, I believe, in a more digressive direction, there are a whole lot of people who are just kind of going along with the, with the wind every day. They're going along with the flow, just whatever happens, they're kind of, you know, tossed to and fro, and they don't really have much direction, they don't really have much goal as far as goals, real goals are concerned in their life, just kind of drifting along. But prayerfully and hopefully, most people, they still want to make something of their lives or have their life mean something. They want to live life with a purpose, with a meaning. But when it comes to being the Lord's church, we ought to want to have the church be what it's supposed to be. And so, members of the Lord's church, we want our congregation, wherever it is around the world, we want it to be doctrinally and functionally sound. Now, a lot of times, I've seen congregations where great emphasis was on making sure all of the T's were crossed and all of the I's were dotted when it comes to doctrinal matters, what the teaching of the scriptures really are. And that is exactly as it should be. But some of those congregations have not impressed me and maybe I just don't see deep enough into those congregations. Maybe I haven't been there long enough with them, but they don't seem to really be focused on being the church in the active sense as much as we should be and be focused upon. We need to be the church functionally, actively. We need to be people that the world around us look and see a, and, and you know, continual action, reaching out, teaching, trying to spread God's word in the gospel. Well, so we need to want our church, wherever we are, the Lord's church, wherever we are around the world, and we're right here at Sunny Slope. So we, we need to want our congregation to be doctrinally and functionally sound. And that word sound means true, strong, being the church that God wants us to be. Well, how can we achieve that goal then? Well, when we're talking about our lives, we, we need to sit down and say, okay, I would like to accomplish this in life. I'd like to have this come along in life. I'd like to be able to work toward this. How do I do that? What kind of a job do I need? What kind of training do I need? What kind of focus do I need in my life? Well, we need to have focus as the, as the Lord's church. Again, not just having a church building. That's not the church. It's us, those who are members of the church. We're the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. Colossians 1 and verse 18, and again in verse 24. And Paul goes on in Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 4 through 6 and says there is one body. We need to be that distinct congregation of the Lord's church that he wants us to be. 
So how do we achieve that goal? Well, we should want to grow, certainly. And, and I've seen this in congregations all through my life. We want to grow. Okay, how, how can we accomplish that goal? How can we achieve that goal? It's not going to happen just by wishing. And we can also pray about that, and we should, but we also need to put feet on the ground, so to speak, and get out and start reaching out with the gospel, talking to souls, trying to teach them the gospel of Christ, lead them to him. We need to be an exemplary congregation of the Lord's church that people see goodness in, they see Christ in, and want to be a part of. So <clears throat> we should want to grow. But then we see big mega churches that are not teaching the truth in its fullness. So just extremely large numbers does not mean that that is really the church that God wants them to be. So it should not be just on numbers. And I'm afraid that a whole lot of churches compromise the truth of God's word to one degree or another just to try to get a whole lot of more seats in a whole lot of more people in the seats and the pews or the chairs they just want to get more people in the door and and they see that as great success well it's great success if they're coming in to learn the truth of God's word and the truth of God's word is truly being taught there and souls are genuinely being led to salvation through the gospel of Christ now Programs. People will talk, okay, let's institute this program or that program. And programs are great if they are scripturally fulfilling the scriptural goal set for those programs to fulfill. Having a lot of sophisticated programs in and of itself does not mean that we are that sound congregation, that true congregation of the Lord's church, standing up for and teaching the truth of the gospel on a widespread basis, as widespread as we can, that we're supposed to be and that God wants us to be. So wh what is the answer? How do we achieve that goal and maintain that goal of being a sound congregation, both doctrinally and functionally? We need to be the church that Jesus established. Bottom line, simply put, that's it. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. We need to be that church that Jesus established on this earth. When he was with the apostles in Matthew chapter 16, beginning with verse 16, and I appreciate Monroe reading this text a moment ago. Simon Peter, well, Jesus first asked the apostles, who do men say that I am? I've been out there teaching. You've been with me. You've been hearing me teach. Who do men say that I am? I've been identifying myself as the Son of God, the Savior, the Messiah who has come in the flesh. Who are they saying that I am? You're hearing things that I don't hear necessarily. Tell me what they're saying. And so the apostles said, some of them spoke up and said, well, some say you're Jeremiah or Elijah or one of the prophets. And then he turned to them. And he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter spoke up. And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, the rock of your confession of faith in me, I will build my church, my church, 
not denominationalism. I will build my church and the gates of Hades or the powers of death shall not prevail against it, shall not keep it from coming to be. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And that doesn't mean Pete, Jesus was telling Peter, you've got fair game, you, everything, whatever rules you want to set in place, whatever doctrine you want to set in place, that's the way it's going to be. No, whatever Peter and the rest of the apostles were guided to teach as truth would be given to them by inspiration from heaven. And so whatever they bound on earth would already have been bound and communicated to them in heaven. Whatever they loosed on earth would already have been loosed and communicated to them from heaven. In other words, it would be all from God, God's word. Now, so simply put, we need to be the church that Jesus established. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. We need to always be aware and be diligent in our focus to be that church because the church can slip into unfaithfulness within just one generation. We have an example of that with the nation of Israel. Going back to Judges chapter 2, beginning with verse 7. After God had led them through the wilderness for that period of 40 years, and they had come and they had begun and then succeeded in basically conquering the promised land that God led them to through Moses' leadership. Joshua being the one who actually led them into that land, into the battles, and was kind of their guide taking Moses' place after God would not allow Moses to go in because of sin that he had committed back in the wilderness. Then it came to the point where Joshua was getting old. And so the text tells us in Judges chapter 2, beginning with verse 7, so the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua after they had conquered the promised land, the land of Canaan, which became the land of Israel, the nation of Israel. They stayed true to God while Joshua was still alive. They, stayed, they served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. So Joshua was there at the crossing of the Red Sea. Joshua lived all the way through the wilderness as God fed the people miraculously, gave them water miraculously, guided them through that, that wilderness and up to the border of the promised land. Joshua was there to see God give them victory after victory after victory in the battles and conquering the promised land. And all of those elders who were in place during Joshua's late life, they were there. They saw all of that. And the people of Israel stayed true to God through all of that time. But Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of, God, of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. And they buried him with the, within the border of his inheritance at Timnatheres and on the north side of Mount Gaash in the mountains of Ephraim. When all that generation, that generation who had been there and saw everything firsthand, basically, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel, 
Then the children of the Lord, or the children of Israel, did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals, the idols. Now, from the tenor of the text, it seems as though within one generation, maybe two. And we're not talking about a generation being 100 years. We're talking about it being something like 30 years or so. Within what would really seem to be one generation, the people turned away from God. They became disobedient. They no longer were the people that God wanted them to be. So we always have to be diligent. Keep our eye on God's word and make sure that we don't compromise, that we're teaching the truth all the time and that we're trying to, in a functional way, an active and serving way, be the church that is active and serving and teaching diligently so and never just sit back on our laurels and become complacent but always be that active working church that God wants us to be the church that Jesus established so let's consider then three guidelines for developing and maintaining a sound congregation first let's develop for uh, or let's develop love for studying God's word we ought to be a people who not just carries the Bible around with us, and now, of course, we, we carry the Bible around with us in different forms, you know, through tablets and pads and, and smartphones, and that's great. That's just technology making it more easy for us to have God's Word with us wherever we go. We can always, if we're waiting in a doctor's waiting room or we're waiting in some kind of public place where we got to kill some time, we can pull out our smartphone or open up our tablet and we can pull up God's word and we can begin reading there. We need to develop a love for studying and learning God's word and we need to you know, generate excitement for growing in our knowledge of God's word. Remember that faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 verse 17. So a lot of people they say, you know, I wish I had stronger faith. How much are you in God's word? How often are you opening up the book and reading it? We need to be people of the book. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, the King James Version begins by saying, study. Other translations, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or understanding and handling and correctly applying the word of truth. God's word. God's word. When we look at that statement, give diligence, we're talking about exerting oneself, hastening to do a thing, not being come see, come sigh, not being complacent about it, wishy-washy, okay, yeah, I haven't, I haven't read the Bible in a couple of weeks or maybe not even a month or two. You know, I, I, I want to read a chapter. But no, we're in it on a regular basis, purposefully, because we understand that that's, that, that's crucial for our faith to stay strong and even grow stronger. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13, till I come, Paul wrote, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. We need to study God's word. We need to study God's word so that we can know how to come to salvation through Jesus Christ. We need to study God's word so that we can know how to live a faithful life before our Lord 
and before our God and Father in heaven. And we need to study God's word regularly and continually so that we can know how to live a mature spiritual life and so that we can know how God wants us to serve him. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, Paul wrote, I charge you therefore before God and the, and, and, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead and is appearing in his, in his kingdom. Preach the word. Now we could put that when we're making a personal individual application, stay in the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and, do, and teaching or doctrine is what the word means there. Teaching and doctrine. Teaching is simply the definition of that word doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Do we look around us in the world today, all around us, and see people who don't want to hear God's word? They seldom, if ever, open up a Bible. They rarely show up in any church building. And what did Paul say? Going to come a time when people are not going to want to endure sound doctrine, but they're going to, according to their own desires, they're going to have itching ears and they're going to heap up for themselves teachers who will scratch their ears for them. They will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. So what do we do? Well, Paul reminded Timothy that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. We need to study to know how to come to salvation. People need to get into God's word. We need to help them get into God's word so they can know how to come to salvation. Let me ask you, do you ever share any of our podcasts with anybody? Now, your response might be, well, no, I don't listen to podcasts. Well, okay. Do you ever open them up and just share them with somebody? That's one way you can get into God's word easy by listening to them, at least some of them. One of those is only about 13 minutes every day. You can fit that into your busy schedule. Well, I just don't know that. Do you care about sharing God's word with other people? If you're not doing it that way, and that's fine, what other way are you sharing God's word with people around you? People you know. And if your answer is coming up blank, you need to ask yourself, why is that the case? Why don't I share God's word with people around me on a regular basis? We want to be the church that we're supposed to be, that Jesus established on this earth. And that is a church that was always teaching God's word, the gospel of Christ. So we need to study to know how to come to salvation. People we know all around us and undoubtedly within our own families, virtually without exception, there are people who need to come to salvation. Are we sharing the word with them? And then Paul goes on and he says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God's very word. And is profitable for doctrine, that is for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. Teaching us how to live the faithful Christian life. That the man of God may be complete. There's maturity, spiritual maturity. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. And there's the active service that we need to understand and that God's word teaches us about. 
Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, he said, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through what source, Peter? Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Through God's word. God has given us, Jesus has given us, all things that pertain to life and godliness through his word to teach us and guide us. So we need to learn those things. And we need to be in God's word regularly. We need to love God's word and love to learn more and study more. As long as I've been preaching full time in my life, I still learn more as the more I get into God's word. I still pick up things. How did I miss that? How many hundred times perhaps have I read over that verse of scripture? Look at what's there that I, I just, I didn't get that. Or what about this text over here? How did I miss that? The more we read, the more we study, the more we learn. And it's exciting to learn more and more. Are we making excuses for not being in God's word, for not being with the church as the church meets? And how's your conscience over that? We need to stop and ask ourselves. We need to study God's word so that we can recognize and refute false teaching. So that we can correct people when they, they say, well, yeah, this happened, or I believe this, or well, where does it say that in the Bible? Have you ever heard people talk about, say the sinner's prayer? Have you ever looked for the sinner's prayer in, in, in the scriptures? It's not there. Have you ever looked for any text of scripture in the New Testament that, that gave an example of somebody coming to salvation by saying something that's called the sinner's prayer? Not a single one there. But a whole lot of people talk about it. And in love, in patience, in kindness, we need to teach people the truth about how to come to salvation. Paul wrote to Titus in chapter 1 and verse 9, holding fast the faithful word, the true word, as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine, true teaching, both to exhort and convict those who contradict. There are people who are seeking and they're excited to be in God's word, but they've been taught some things that are incorrect. And they would love to learn the truth. Well, number two, as you learn, diligently strive to reach the lost with the gospel message. Oh, those repeated texts of the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age of the world. Amen. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. Jesus told the apostles, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. As Luke recorded the Great Commission in Luke 24 and verse 47, Jesus said that repentance and remission of sins should be preached among all men in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. That's our Great Commission today as well. 
We're to be a working church. We're to be active. We're to be aggressive in evangelizing, teaching the gospel all over the world as much as we can. That's the example of the model congregation. That first congregation in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 42, we read daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. And even when they came under severe persecution, that motivated a lot of them to move out of town for their own physical safety. It says, therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word, preaching the word. Now, methodology is optional. And we are blessed with methodology today that was perhaps unthought of just maybe 40 or 50 years ago. We're striving. And we get responses from people who listen to our podcasts, whether they're sermons or Bible classes or, or radio programs or our daily Bible class, that short 13-minute study. We get, we get responses from all over the world. Could you even enhance that response? By getting active in sharing those with your friends, with your acquaintances, through texting, through emails, through Facebook friends. The technology is there. Are you using it? You are the church. Methodology is optional, but obedience to the command is not. And then number three, embody, practice, exhibit, nurture deep and abiding love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. The world needs to see the love of Christ in us, the love of God in us, because the world is groping around in the darkness of evil, wickedness, and sin, because the devil is extremely effective in leading people away from God and away from Christ. Again, this is not an option, it's a command. Jesus told the apostles, but it's to us as well. In John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And John, in his first letter, John the apostle, he remembered that commandment and he wrote it down as well by inspiration. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 23, and this is his commandment, he wrote, that we should love, we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And John even reminded the reader, and that's us, that Jesus gave this instruction as commandment. And we're not talking about surface level, showy, kind of love that's really not very real, not very deep, not very sincere, but we're talking about a love that is recognizable to non-Christians in the way we treat one another as Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, the family of God, the body of Christ. 
how we treat one another, how we think about one another, how we talk to one another, how we talk about one another. The world needs to see that because, again, they're not seeing that in the lifestyles of the people around them. They need to see that in us. They need to see the love of Christ, the love of God in us, exhibited toward one another and ultimately toward them as well. Loving our brothers and sisters is part of knowing and being of God. Now, we need to really stop and think about that because that should shake some who claim to be Christians to their very souls because they're not exhibiting that kind of love on a consistent basis. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God for God is love. First John chapter four, verses seven and eight. We need to be the loving family of God and loving God is tied to obedience and also to love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. As John wrote in 1 John chapter 5, in beginning with verse 1, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, our brothers and sisters in Christ, when we love God and keep his commandments. John repeatedly ties together obedience to God, to his commandments, with loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. Repeatedly in that first letter that John wrote. Loving each other really ought to be just a natural for us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 9, concerning brotherly love, Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, I have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. This is part of who you are and what you are. What a great teaching. Do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ that way? Are there some that you shun? That you really don't want to have anything to do with? You don't even want to necessarily shake hands with them? or speak to them? Is that fulfilling the commandment that Jesus gave us? We want to be that sound congregation. And not just here at Sunny Slope, but all over the world. We want the Lord's church to be that church that Jesus established. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. So. Be the, to be the congregation that God wants us to be and that we should want to be ourselves. We need to be the Christians that we're supposed to be so that we can be the church that we're supposed to be. We need to be people of the book. The church, again, is not these four walls. It's you and I sitting in the seats, standing in the pulpit. We are the church. So for the church to be what it needs to be, should be, what we want it to be, we've got to be the people, we've got to be the Christians that we're supposed to be. And we should be people of the book. It should be in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives, continually. We need to maintain a purpose to reach out with the gospel message to the lost all over the world. 
because that's our mission, our work. And we need to demonstrate to the world God's love through the beauty of Christian love for one another and also for those around us. If you need to become a Christian, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ openly, surrendering to him in baptism so the blood that he shed on the cross can cleanse you of the guilt of your sins, we encourage you to take that step this morning. If you need to talk to somebody about it, study more about it, we're here, ask us, we'll make that happen. If you need the prayers of the church for some situation in your life, maybe you need to renew your strength, maybe you need to renew your focus, please step forward and tell us so we can pray with you and for you or talk with us privately. Let's be the church. Let's always be determined to be the church that Jesus established on this earth. If you need to come, come right now as we stand together and sing.